0: On this episode of Resi Week, MSE has a new outdoor amplifier, selling power protection, and CD announces the best new product finalists. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to? This.
3: This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is Rosie Week episode 133. Just do it.
2: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Harman International and by SDVOE, the platform for network AV.
0: Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for AVNation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Rich Fergosa. He's the principal and founder of Fergosa Design. How are you, sir? Mm, uh, Mellow West Coast greetings. It's, it's been more than a minute.
2: I've been in the uh, sunny Hawaiian Islands for a couple of weeks. And so I'm glad to be back on the show.
0: Yeah, your life is so tough. I was, I, Mister, I was in Hawaii for a couple of weeks. It was horrible. Yeah, it sounded absolutely terrible. Uh, Next, we have Tim Sinevive. He is the director of Barco Residential. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. And last but not least, we have Ted Green. He is the editor of Strategy.com. How are you, sir?
1: I'm the opposite of Rich Fagoza. It's two weeks before the show. It's Monday. I'm going crazy, ripping my hair out, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than other with you, Matt.
0: Aw, thanks. I'm touched. <laughs> and I totally don't feel Scoop like Green that's false. It's on the job.
1: It's Monday.
2: Scoop <laughs> Green is ready for that's action. right. We're in yep. high gear.
0: That is fantastic. Speaking of Cedia and Expo 2018, let's jump right into our first story. This comes to us from CE Pro. MSE is unveiling a new outdoor amp and subwoofer line at Expo. This is a Outdoor IP55 rated weatherproof amplifier. It has onboard Bluetooth, Wi-Fi functionality, can connect to your existing network. It can be a Google Chromecast device, interface with DLNA servers, give some multi-zone control, etc. It also can be controlled via Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Rich, I want to start with you with us. Mainly because I believe we talked about this when they announced this. Is that correct? Yeah, we, were, yeah. we
2: weren't sure. And I, I remember originally there was some skepticism, and now that I've learned a little bit more, I am really excited about this product. Everybody who I've talked to about it is, uh, we pretty much all decided that this is something that has to be seen. It, it fills so many um, integration issues especially for outdoor audio and landscape audio because a lot of times in in projects um the landscape and and that area is the last to go in so it it there's just technical issues there's you know how do you get from here to there there's issues where we had it just on a project where the area was just concreted over and there was just no way to get from point a to point b something got missed um so all of a sudden you you have these solution-based products that um, I think is going to start with the outdoor audio concept, but it, it just really opens up a, a, a whole new market segment. So it's in it, it, a whole new product product segment. So, I mean, if this does even half of what they're thinking, of, what we, we've we seen from the specs, um, it, it's a pretty many, amazing product all by itself.
0: Very good. Tim, as we watch this kind of space evolve in, in outdoor AV, it's becoming something that is... Yeah, I don't want to say the fifth room, but kind of like, you know, the fifth room of a house where it used to be all the AV was predominantly indoors. You might have a pair of speakers outside screwed to the back of the house. How has this transition occurred and, and what are the, the things to keep in mind when you start looking at things like outdoor theater environments and homes and, and things like that?
3: Well, I, think, I think it's an interesting question, and I think it's not limited to, to just our industry. You know, I think if you look at homes, people have been spending more attention on living outside as well. Um, so I think all of these things come in. So all evolutions uh, are interesting. I think audio was, was kind of a natural first one. Um, I think video, of course, is interesting and potentially a little bit more challenging as well. You know, if you Take one of our projectors, for example it, it does it's not really that straightforward to say "I'm going to make a projector weatherproof um, mm-hmm. anything like that. That being said, there are certain evolutions that that make it uh, more interesting to look at it. I think one one of them is uh, laser illumination uh, from the perspective of you know it gives you much more opportunity in where you install your projector because you know you don't have to worry about lamp changes and and getting access quite that frequently I think uh, power is another thing you know if you're going to do outdoor uh, video you need a lot of light Um, Mm -hmm. fortunately as a company that's something that we're very strong in traditionally Um, so we can take a lot from the technologies that we've developed from the commercial space and see how we uh, apply that to a residential space so I think it's an extremely interesting um, evolution and one that we're definitely looking at uh, and seeing how we can take some of our solutions and and make them um, let's say more applicable to the outdoor environment um, even if you even if you have to look at uh, protecting the the projector from the weather for example mm-hmm. um, still with all the opportunities we have in terms of light output in terms of um, you know, offset projection and things like that, you actually have a lot of opportunities to create something in an outdoor space. Um, And we have seen some of our integrators venture into that space and and create some really, really cool installations with our technology. Very good. Ted, when we look at products like this, kind
0: of, you know, some of what Tim was talking about uh, and what Richard brought up, we're seeing a, a shift in design. And a lot of times that's not just because of the design, but because of the products that are available. How do integrators plan this out, knowing that there are so many options out there now for how to to get an outdoor installation working?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, more and more integrators. Yeah, I remember two years ago, Cedia Uh, identified um, uh, outdoor or landscape audio as uh, the next great growth area, and that has really been borne out. Most integrators tell me that they have more and more clients that say to them that their outdoor living space is the most important part of the entire installation, and uh, especially if you're on the West Coast or in in, in other parts parts of the country where they have moderate temperatures year-round, it becomes a very important uh, part of the the uh, uh, the whole installation. Um, the industry has been a little bit slow to address it, so this is all part of uh, manufacturers starting to create products specific to enhancing the outdoor living space. Um, it's more than just sticking a couple of uh, outdoor loudspeakers out in the backyard now. There's a lot more design going into it. Um, there's a lot more um, alternatives that are beginning to emerge. And I think these products are kind of an example of more of those products that are designed specifically for um, a space that many clients are identifying as their most important space, which is the outdoor living space. So I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I don't know too much about these products. I'd like to see them test them play with them for a little bit to, to give them any kind of an endorsement, but the concept I think is a great concept.
0: Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from a residential systems. It talks about selling power protection and uh, you know, the, the gist of the article is going over how you need to, look at the opportunity that's available in selling energy protection uh, and power protection and really walking dealers through some of the questions that you can ask to to get into that conversation. Uh, Tim, I want to kick this one off with you. When we start to look at power protection within the industry, we know that this is a very important foundational piece of any quality system and, and honestly, even any. System. It doesn't necessarily even have to be a high quality system. When when dealers are looking at this, and you know, Barco projectors obviously are are highly sophisticated. There's something, or they are a product that I don't want to say requires stable power, but you want stable power there. You want clean power there. How does how does Barco, or, or, or how would you recommend integrators go about having that conversation? Because the majority of us are not. You know, power experts. We're AV experts, but we know that power is important. How do we go about uh, expressing to our to our clients how important power and, and stable power is to their installation?
3: Well, I'm I'm obviously not the power expert myself um, either, but I think I think the challenge with power is, you know, it's one of those things that people take for granted. So it's a difficult conversation to have because it's not, it's not really something that people think of in the beginning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everybody feels they have power uh, and everybody kind of assumes that the quality of the power will be, will be good enough. Um, now, we've certainly been in a couple of situations where, you know, something wasn't quite right with the, with the installation and it turned out to be the power that was not sufficient uh, or the power that wasn't clean um so i think we need to we need to talk to people and make sure that they understand all the elements of what goes into a quality installation and while power is not the most obvious one it's it's certainly one that is important and you know people care about convenience uh, people care about quality so i think that's the kind of the perspective that we need to discuss it from if you're going to assure the greatest quality from your installation, if you're going to assure the greatest convenience from your installation, then power is also an important element to discuss. And I think, um, you know, if you look at what's what's going on in the world today, uh, people are also predicting that power will become more of an issue in the future, you know, that there will be more challenges with uh, power outs and um, power surges and things like that. So I think this is only going to be more important in the future um, but i think bottom line is we have to address the fact that this is not something that can be taken for granted but mm-hmm. approach it from a from a value perspective you know this is how uh having a high quality clean power will contribute to the enjoyment of your um, of, of your installation
0: very good ted
3: tim brought up a good point
0: that we take this for granted and you know the first question that uh they ask in the article is you know you, you can ask your client have you ever noticed power flicker in your house? And especially here in North America, we experience that a lot because the majority of our grid is overground, uh, susceptible to wind and trees and all of that jazz. When you're thinking of integrators having this conversation, is this something where you you, you look at it and say, hey, you should partner with an electrician who can come in and, and speak to that? Is that going too far? Is this something where they should get a single individual trained within the company to really understand how power affects electronics and, and how products like Rosewaters and you know many of the other ones uh, can can address that? What's the best approach?
1: I I advocate the Nike approach. Just do it. Um, I think that uh, in any of the mid to high level installations in today's world now they're all they're pretty much all getting power protection packaged into the entire system. Integrators initially were very um, hesitant to pitch this. It seemed like an intangible, but you know, the law of unintended consequences, here's what they discovered. They discovered that clients actually appreciated the idea of a few dollars more to protect their investment in the system. And it actually went over better than they expected. Also, if they had any clients that are um, um, executives, Um, they're very used to power protection in their offices, in their IT departments, Mm -hmm. this is a very common concept. So the pitch, so you know, in many cases, integrators found this to be a much easier pitch than they initially thought it was going to be. And finally, in today's world with IP addressable power solutions, everybody is waking up to the value of having um, um, power protection and IP addressable power solutions. Um, for remote servicing and remote monitoring and so I think power is um, you know except for maybe the most basic uh, entry systems or uh, price point sensitive systems um, I think in most of the systems now you're finding more and more are going in with power protection it's a smart move it's not a lot of money uh, relative to what you're protecting in terms of the entire system And, um, if you present it in the right light, uh, you know, your clients are actually very amenable to it. Um, they like the idea of you worrying about protecting their systems.
0: Very good. Richard, speaking of, um, presenting it in the right light, this is one of those topics that I don't want to say I take issue with, but I hate the traditional sales pitch of fear mongering that you're going to, you know, have a, have a power surge and all of a sudden your entire rack is dead and all that equipment's gone. I realize that it's a valid argument, but it, it, it starts that conversation out on a negative point. How do integrators take that conversation and flip it into a positive and make it a essentially just not a negative conversation?
2: Oh, that's real simple. First off, the conversation, at that point you brought up, never use it. <laughs> um, no, seriously. And here's why. I, I, and, and I'm a huge proponent. I'm an evangelist uh, of power. Here's a couple of reasons. Um, I live in a suburban area. I live in the Silicon Valley. Um, and we are subject to a hugely booming population growth that's starting to affect our electrical grid. Issues with electronic systems, any of them is not really a result of over-voltage. It's a fallacy that people buy into. It's like, oh my gosh, you're gonna have this power surge and everything starts going up. You have electrical breakers for that. If there's significant voltage, you already have a fail-safe in place. Here's the key, and here's the important part. And what I try to explain to people, and it it makes a whole lot of sense, is um, you have now anywhere from a dozen to 50 electronic devices in your house most of them are driven by a microprocessor. Microprocessors don't like under voltage. They don't like what we call micro outages. And what a micro outage is, is the the, the flicker that you see. Now to a light or to an analog device, there's a little bit of leeway, but to a device like a, 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 and I explain to it very simply. I, I say, look, do you have a computer? Yes, I do. I want you to walk up and think about if you took that plug And you unplugged it for a fraction of a second and then plugged it back in. Are you gonna hope for the best (laughs) that everything turned out okay? And they're gonna say no. I said that's what a micro outage is, okay? And these can happen dozens, tens of times, you know, dozens, hundreds of times during the course of a year. But because it is imperceptible to the eye, we don't know what's going on. Now, to a microprocessor, you are giving this thing a seizure. And what that does is over the course of the life of the system you are reducing the life of the system, you are affecting it, and you're getting unintended consequences. Now, your Wi-Fi, which you completely depend upon these days, your television, which has a microprocessor, which you use, your cable set-top box, your amplifier, not so much, but again, anything that's microprocessor-driven, what we're focused on is not necessarily when we see a surge. It's the opposite. We want to keep the components happy and within a stable electrical range. That's the purpose of what we're focusing on with power protection these days is to provide a stable platform because we are dealing with units now more than ever um, that require consistent Electrical power. Now, if an integrator takes that approach, it becomes a far different conversation. It's a value added. And, and, and Ted brought up a great point. Absolutely. The monitoring, um, remote reboots, everything else, but also diagnostics. Um, you know, again, I live in California. I have a pretty exorbitant power bill every month. So every month I'm constantly trying to look at ways at where can I be more efficient? Are there are there devices that are vampire devices? So again, we now have the ability to give these homeowners the option to be more cost effective, to be to lower their footprint, you know, all of these other things, and to be re- more responsible for the house. So you know, again, I think absolutely, if you're taking the fearmonger approach, you're taking a, it's just a backwards approach because the reality is is that I can count on one hand. The times that I've seen overvoltage situations, whenever I get a call is because it's an undervoltage situation. And once integrators start to embrace that and realize that, hey, you're helping everybody, it becomes a, and like Ted was saying, it becomes a value added sale and you're looking after the client's best interest. It just takes a small amount of education and reasoning why um, while you're doing it, especially for the low cost units, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it just, it should be in everyone. And our, our position is, is, that you get it period. Um, this and here's why.
0: Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's go to likely our last story of the day. This comes to us from Cedia. They have announced their 2018 best new product finalists. There's a fairly long list there. I believe, is it 30? Rich?
2: We have 30,
0: 35. Months. Yes. So, Rich, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start with you on this one really quickly. Um, you're heavily involved in this process. What does it mean uh, to, to companies like this to have a product that gets selected as a finalist?
2: Well, as a CDM member, um, that is my involvement in the process. Um, I, am, I am very happy to see these new products being introduced. I was very happy to see the press release. Um, what I love about it is that it does show that these companies are focused on our market. Um, They're focused on trying to innovate in the market. And I think it's an opportunity for um, the CDA channel to, to understand that it is a relevant channel. And it also, it shows the, it, it, I, I think it reflects from these manufacturers that they see the CDA channel as, as a relevant channel to introduce these new products. And that was um, something that I'm excited about. I'm excited about seeing everybody here. There's, there's definitely a, a group within that 30 that I've already earmarked who I do wanna go visit. Um, speaking of one of those that I have planned on earmarking to see is Barco, who happens to be here and their, uh, their new Prometheus three projector, which is a
0: pretty cool,
2: uh,
0: pretty cool product. Very good. Ted, when, when you look at this list, is this something that you can use almost as a, like a roadmap of, of highlights to see at the show?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, these lists serve to help make uh, some sense out of chaos. There's just, it's a big industry. There's a lot going on. There's tons of new products being rolled out. And these kinds of lists, you know, editors are sorted through and come up with the things that they think uh, are are worthy of your attention. And uh, you can scan the list and you can find those items that uh, either you didn't know were available or that maybe you feel that. You know, uh, you need to take another look at it, and um, and I think that those they're valuable from that perspective. You know, it's it's a big show, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of ground to cover there, and anything that can help you sort through that and be a little more efficient, and help you zero in on items that uh, that um, you know somebody that's knowledgeable has looked at and called out to your attention, um, I think is uh, is a, is a helpful uh, aid.
0: Very good, Tim. I want to wrap up with you on this obviously you are being recognized as a finalist, which is fantastic. I know you take a lot of pride in the, the products that Barco produces. Uh, that, that's likely true of everyone who, who's either A on the list or, or B who produces a product, but what does it mean to the company and the association when products that you've produced make lists like this to, to be finalists and, and potentially a winner? What, is it, what does it mean to the, Is it an endorsement? Um, is it just another you know, tip of the cap? What does it mean to, to Barco?
3: No, it means, uh, it means a lot to us. Uh, I mean, as you know, we've created Barco Residential with a focus on this market. Uh, and so a strong part of that focus is, is Um And it's not just something where we are taking, let's say, commercial, commercial products and, and just seeing the residential market as just another place to, to dump them. Uh, if you will. So to me, it's kind of um, a recognition of that focus uh, by the industry and, and that it's that the industry sees some value in what we're trying to do. Uh, and so I'm very proud that the Prometheus 3 is, is, is on this list. Um, and it certainly does mean more than, than another tip to the cap, uh, particularly because of what we're trying to do with, with Barco Residential.
0: Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Richard, if people want to connect with you, where can they do that? Uh, you can
2: find me uh, in the Twitterverse at our Fregosa. Uh You can also find us at a coming soon update of Fregosa com. Uh, after seven years, you will no longer see Steve Choss's <laughs> <laughs> the bio story, turn it.
0: My life is it's being turned life. upside down. What will I do? <laughs> I know,
2: it's, 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 it's interesting. I have uh, I have people far smarter and more talented than me working in the background on this. Um, and then also uh, you can find us here at avnation.tv. Uh, here, obviously, uh, Resi Week with you, but also with my good friend, Steve Greenblatt, over on the State of Control. And uh, you can always type my name into the Googles and something always pops up.
0: And we're not sure what that is, but hopefully and it'll be
2: safe. See us, see us, and see us at CDA 2018 in Most a
0: definitely. couple of weeks. You will see us on the show floor. Excellent. Thanks again for being here. Tim, thanks for joining us today. It was fantastic. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Barco, specifically Barco Residential, and also visit you uh, at, at Expo, where can they do that?
3: Well, I will not try to inflict the spelling of my surname to people trying to send me an email. So (laughs) the the best way would be to uh, send us a mail at uh, residential at barco.com. It's easy to get in touch with us. And definitely Cedia, we will be in booth 2127. Um, So I would encourage people to get in touch with us, visit us. Um, And also on the Cedia website, there's actually quite a nice uh, e-booth, I believe they call it. So you can visit our e on Cedia and uh, even make an appointment there with us. So I, uh, I hope to see as many people as possible and we're hoping to show them some um, really cool experiences on the show floor. Awesome, looking forward to it. Ted, thanks again for,
0: for joining us today. If people wanna connect with you, read what you're currently uh, writing, where can they do that?
1: Uh, you know, uh, first of all, thanks for having me again, Matt. And I'm all over social media, uh, uh, twitter.com facebook.com linkedin.com slash ted green t-e-d-g-r-e-e-n uh, but perhaps the best place to go is strategy.com that's s-t-r-a-t-a hyphen g-e-e.com
0: beautiful thanks again gentlemen for for joining us if you'd like to connect with me you can find me at Matt D. scott on twitter and every other social platform but more importantly please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows With all the verticals that we cover when you visit the site please take a moment to check out our underwriters we are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well thanks again for watching that's all the time we have for this episode of resi week